Good morning, Hope Church. It's really good to be with you. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Thank you that you give us a new day today. And I pray that you would help us, that you would speak to us and encourage us and strengthen us. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a tough year. And by the time we get to March, we'll have had nearly a year of lockdowns. Now, most of us want to return stronger after we've gone through a difficulty. We don't want the challenge of the difficulty that we've gone through to achieve nothing. We're told that challenges test our faith and produce patience. That's in James. In 1 Peter, we're told that these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honour on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. The Bible calls these challenges tests or trials. Their purpose is to gain us a better resurrection, to make us better disciples of Jesus and to build Christ's character into our lives. The problem is that the average person runs from difficulty. We try to avoid every bit of suffering and trial, even though we know that it's for our benefit. When we decide to follow Jesus, we're often not really aware of what we're signing up to. Over the years, as you listen to Christian appeals, you may be left with the understanding that the whole purpose of life is to get us to a point of making that decision to follow Jesus. Now, I don't want to remove the importance of that decision because it is important, but I do want to put it in perspective. What does the decision really mean? I believe the decision we make to follow Jesus is an acknowledgement of a number of things, or it should be. The first one is this, we recognise our need for God, specifically Jesus. This need becomes because we understand that we are fundamentally wrong. The whole purpose and drift of our lives is wrong, and whatever we touch seems to end up being wrong. We are tainted with a nature that loves to oppose God, to break his commands, and to create destruction in the world. A recognition of this condition is an understanding of sin. We do try to put it right, but this is the same as a child trying to clean up its own mess and often ending up in even more mess. Once we recognise our need of God, we acknowledge the second point. And the second point is this, we need forgiveness, which is only found in Jesus. Our wrongdoing requires payment. This Jesus has done. And as an important note, it's uh, essential to understand that only Jesus has done this. Hence, everybody understands the term the blood of Jesus, but there is no blood of Muhammad or Shiva. The third thing to acknowledge is that we need to repent. That is, turn away from our wrongdoing. And the fourth element is we pledge our allegiance to Jesus for the rest of our days. Now, most of us will be familiar to this. Anyone who's been long in the tooth in, in following Jesus will understand these things. Perhaps the last point about allegiance may be unfamiliar to some. 
and I would encourage you to check that out. Hopefully you'll see that this point of decision is not an end point that we're trying to get people to, it is in fact the starting point for each one of us. Here I believe lies the root of much damage in the church. A lot of effort is given in getting people to the point of decision. And once the decision has been made, the effort seems to disappear. Now this would be the same as supporting a baby in the womb, taking much care and effort during the entire pregnancy, but once the baby is born, leaving it to fend for itself. Such parents would be seen as being massively negligent. I wonder, since you made that decision, how much effort has been made to help you along the way. The great tragedy of church is that there are many in this position. And what makes it worse, that these types of Christians often do not expect to move forward. They just keep looking back to the day they made a decision, and that is enough. Let me round off this section by highlighting that this is not God's intention. God is very concerned with your journey after you have made the decision. Indeed, much of the New Testament is all about this journey, and the New Testament gives much encouragement in this endeavour. In fact, if we ignore the journey, much of the New Testament becomes obsolete. When we make a decision to follow Jesus, we come more under his gaze and under his activity. Jesus takes a special interest in us as we have professed our allegiance to him. This interest is worked out in two main ways. Jesus gets to work on us and the church helps us to become mature and to be effective. The first context of Jesus is our personal relationship with him. This is something that Jesus himself undertakes. The second is done in relation with the church, that is, all the people of God together. Once we make a decision to journey with Jesus, we become part of his family. And this is both a privilege and an expectation. It is sufficient to say that Jesus has no orphans. And those who separate themselves from Christ's family, his body, separate themselves from him. I want to focus on these two contexts a little this morning, starting with Jesus. Every believer really needs to have a sign over their head, and the sign reads like this, Caution, Jesus at work. As a pastor, I am so glad that Jesus has not entrusted me with that task. And that's not because people aren't good at it, but it's not our place to do. In fact, no human being can take the place of Jesus, and nor should they try. I'm extremely suspicious of Christian leaders who try to be mediators between God and man. That position is filled. In 1 Timothy we read, there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. We journey with you, we help you on your journey, but we never attempt to replace Jesus Christ. Now Jesus gets to work on you. He is not content to leave you as you are. We've acknowledged our need of him and we've made a decision and this decision gives Jesus the right to get to work on us and in us. 
Any believer who's been around for a number of years knows what I'm talking about. Jesus brings people across our path. He allows us to experience situations and circumstances, all with the intention of causing transformation in our lives. Years ago, a pastor I was listening to told this true story to illustrate how Jesus works in us. He was preaching on the fruit of the Spirit, and after the service, a lady approached him. I need prayer, she said. What for? he asked. For patience, she replied. Won't you pray for me? she asked desperately. Of course, he responded. And laying his hand on her head, he proceeded to pray like this. Lord, lead this lady into much difficulty. Place her beside awkward colleagues and give her troublesome neighbours. At this point, the lady quickly removed the pastor's hand from her head and blurted out, What are you doing? He responded, How else do you think you will get patience? The story highlights that Jesus is always working in us. He is looking to form his character within us. He wants to answer the prayers that we have prayed. And how does he do that? Does he zap us with a mighty experience? And when we come out of it, we are overflowing with patience? I think not. He places us with people. He puts us in situations and changes our circumstances. Why? So that we will be changed. You see, once we have been changed, we can help others. In 2 Corinthians, it says, he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given to us. The challenge of this is our submission. This takes humility, a posture that we are encouraged to have as believers. Remember that Jesus himself, we are told in Hebrews 5, that even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. So often we cry out to God to help us, but we reject the situations and the circumstances, all the people that are sent to cure us of a habit or remove an ungodly trait from us. Proverbs 3, 11 to 12 teaches us, my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Now this is echoed in Hebrews 12 verse 5 to 6. And have you forgotten the encouraging word God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Here's the challenge. Perhaps your current situation, perhaps your current circumstances are the answer from God of your prayers. What an amazing thought this morning. Don't despise what you're going through. Ask God the reason and he will lead you through. This leads us on to the second context of how God works in us. And by this, we're talking about the body of Jesus, the church. We are indeed stronger together. For some, the church is just there to evangelize. But the reality is that the church has a calling to help people to achieve two things, to be equipped for service 
and to become mature. This can be found in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians 4:11 to 16. And Christ gave gifts to people. He made some to be apostles, some to be prophets, and some to go and tell the good news, and some to have the work of caring for and teaching God's people. Christ gave those gifts to prepare God's holy people for the work of serving, to make the body of Christ stronger. This work must continue until we are all joined together in the same faith and in the same knowledge of the Son of God. We must become like a mature person, growing until we have become like Christ and have his perfection. And then he says, then we will no longer be babies. We will not be tossed about like a ship that the waves carry uh, one way and then another. We will not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who try to fool us. They make plans and try any kind of trick to fool people into following the wrong path. No. Speaking the truth with love, we will grow up in every way into Christ who is the head. And the whole body depends on Christ and all the parts of the body are joined and held together. Each part does its own work to make the whole body grow strong with love. This is such an important message. It puts pay to those who believe that they don't need to be involved in the local church. If you're not part of the local church, how will you develop your gift or grow in maturity? It also highlights the reason why God has given these gifts to the church. The first task of the church is equipping for service. Contrary to popular belief, the Ephesians 4 giftings, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and the teacher, it is not for them to do the work, but it is for them to do the work of preparing others to do the work. Now this obviously can only work with cooperation. We must realise that there is work to be done for Jesus and we are all called to participate. There's a reason for this. Firstly, Jesus will reward people according to what they have done when he returns. We find this in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 to 15. Using the gift God gave me, I laid the foundation of that house like an expert builder. Others are building on that foundation, but all people should be careful how they build on it. The foundation that has already been laid is Jesus Christ and no one can lay down any other foundation. But if people build on that foundation using gold, silver, jewels, wood, grass, or straw, their work will be clearly seen because the day of judgment will make it visible. That day will appear with fire and the fire will test everyone's work to show what sort of work it was. If the building that has been put on the foundation still stands, the builder will get a reward. But if the building is burned up and the, and the builder will suffer loss, the builder will be saved, but it will be as one who has escaped from the fire. I wonder how well our life's work would fare when it is tested like this. It's better to answer this question now than when we stand before Christ in judgment. We now turn to the second task of the church, which is helping people to maturity. Maturity in God is not optional. There is a good reason why it's not optional. 
That second part of Ephesians that we read, let me remind you of it, says, Then we will no longer be babies. We will not be tossed about like a ship that the waves carry one way and then another. We will not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to fool us. They make plans and try any kind of trick to fool people into following the wrong path. No, speaking the truth with love, we will grow up in every way into Christ who is the head. The whole body depends on Christ and all the parts of the body are joined and held together. Each part does its own work to make the whole body grow, be strong with love. Maturity enables us to finish the race well. There are many of Satan's emissaries trying to derail you. Satan wants you off track. He wants you confused, essentially rendering you ineffective. So to conclude this morning, this is a task before us. If we fulfill these two tasks, we will fulfill the Great Commission. This is all-encompassing. It will equip you and it will make you strong and mature. Now, we're not assuming that you're not fulfilling your call and we're not assuming that you're not mature. But we do want to help all those who want to move forward. There is always work to be done. Now, this works by invitation. Jesus always invited people. He never coerced them. And nor do we in his church. For this to work, you need to decide if you're in. And by that, whether you are willing to put your shoulder to the task. Not my task, not someone else's task, but our task together in Christ. As a leadership, we are committed to getting you there. We are committed to getting us all there. Committed to do whatever it takes to equip you. Committed to help you become mature. And this is desperately needed in these days. There are two things I want to offer you this morning. The last Tuesday of every month will be dedicated to equipping for service and bringing to maturity. It will be a study. It won't be you sitting there and listening. It'll be a participative study with homework that will help people grow in God and develop their gifting and call. And that will be the last Tuesday of every month, 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. Please put it in your diary. The second thing I want to offer you is one-to-one -one coaching to help equip you, to spend some time with you, to help you discover and become effective in your calling. Now, again, I'm not assuming that you are not effective and that you're not mature, but maybe there are areas you want to grow in. And I want to encourage you, give me a call, send me a text, send me an email, and we'll arrange a time and we will work through and help you discover what God wants you to do to be effective and to be equipped. This will work in tandem with what we're doing on the last Tuesday of the month. Now, I'm going to leave the initiative with you for this. I'm, I'm relying on you to contact me because that means that it's something that you would like to be a part of. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to be able to put a time in the diary and to pray and discover and equip you. Now, before you disqualify yourself from this, here's the criteria to be a part of this. Number one, you need to be alive. And I think if you're watching this, that probably checks that. 
Number two, you need to have pledged your allegiance to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. If you've done those two things, then you are part of this. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that not only are you at work in our lives day by day, and Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see what you are doing, that we would not push away things that you have given to us to uh, work into us the character of Jesus and make us more effective. And Lord, we thank you for the body of Christ, that together you work through it to help us to be equipped for serving and to be mature in you. And Father, to this end, I pray for each person watching this this morning, that every believer, that you would help and encourage them. And Lord, that you would strengthen them for serving and that you would help them to be mature in your kingdom. And so Lord, bless your people today. Lead us and guide us in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a really great day.